morning. Welcome back to Driving Theology. This is Mike and it's another Wednesday. However, it's a Wednesday afternoon about uh, 12 after 1 p.m. I'm just heading to work because I didn't have the morning uh, part of my classes. I just had the afternoon part today, so I'm on my way there now. Uh, but tragedy has struck this week. The uh, principal of the kindergarten that I've been working at for uh, 10 years or more, I uh, found out just passed away uh, this week, uh, a couple days ago, and she, she has been very kind to me over the years, and, and uh, she's been gone for many months now because of illness. She was around 80 years old, and she's not just the uh, principal, she's also uh, really an owner. Her family owns the kindergarten. It's a family business, and so uh, several members of her family, uh, including her son, uh, work in the kindergarten. Uh, and so it's going to be a very, very sad day today at the kindergarten, remembering her, uh, Oyama Sensei was her name. Uh, and yeah, she's a lady that uh, even had talked to me a little bit about God in the past, and who had mentioned that she, you know, she had studied uh, the gospel somewhat. I don't, don't know that it ever took necessarily. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I, yeah, don't know quite how to think about it yet. It, it's uh, something that I've kind of been expecting, but at the same time, it happened. A lot sooner than I thought it would, um, and uh, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a sad day today. Uh, one reason of which is that I teach three of her uh, uh, three of her grandchildren, three of her grandchildren actually in my class. Of course, I work with her uh, son, but her sister also. Uh, who's uh, one of the administrators of the kindergarten and, and owner as well. She's there from time to time. So I don't expect the family to be there today. They're probably um, going to be out doing different uh, funeral arrangements and, and, and customs uh, in conjunction with Japanese culture. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's sad. She hired me. Uh, to uh, take someone's place years ago, and all these years, upwards of 20 or 25 years, I would say, there's always she's always hired a Christian to work in the kindergarten, uh, and it's always been a mystery to me why she uh, would do that. Why, you know, a person who's not a Christian, why would she make it such a point to hire Christians to uh, be teachers? Um, in her kindergarten, uh, and uh, yeah, so um, I'm to think of it. There's probably several people I need to call or send a message to. Let them know what's happened. Who uh, worked there before me? Um, yeah, actually, I should do that. So, um, 
Yeah, so I'm on the on the way to kindergarten to teach, um, but there's of course that extra layer of what's uh, going on there as far as that's concerned. She was the really the heart and soul of the place. Um, I don't think anybody would deny that. Um, she was a neat lady, stern when she needed to be, uh, uh, but kind as well. And. Uh, yeah, so not sure if that's going to lead into any specific topic today. Something else that's happened this morning with me is that I've been uh, considering uh, master's uh, programs, uh, two in, in particular. Um, One is uh, um, finishing up the master's that I started so many years ago, some 23 years ago, I guess I walked away from graduate school. Uh, and uh, all I lack is a thesis. Now, you know, I'm sure a lot of people would be surprised about that or whatever, but it really hasn't played into anything with me. It hasn't, as far as I know, hasn't stopped me from doing anything that I wanted to do in the beginning, and, and it would be nice to finish, so uh, even though it hasn't really hindered me up till now, as far as I know, uh, it would be a good thing to have under my belt and just to, just to have completed, so I'm looking into uh, getting permission uh, to resume uh, work on my thesis, and really I want to completely rework it. not the same guy I was 23 years ago. I look at things a lot differently. Uh, so I think I'm going to employ uh, uh, some help from some of my writer friends on how to organize and, and uh, start working on this uh, book. Maybe even uh, have a class with a friend of mine once a week if, he'll, if he will say yes. I hope he does. And um, is that my, uh, well, there's, of course, hundreds of options. One other option, uh, and now I've been asked about the possibility twice now, uh, is that my uh, alma mater for my undergrad, Oklahoma Christian University, is now offering online um, graduate-level Bible courses, um, and they have, I think, four different uh, master's programs uh, that I could look into from a Master's of Divinity, um, I think a Master of Ministry, a Master of Theology, and, and whatnot. I'm actually considering the Master of Theology uh, as a possibility. Um, it's about a two-year degree. You take one course every eight weeks. And yeah, I'm actually considered. I think it'd be, be a lot of fun, or at least, you know, start it, try it out, start it, see how it goes, and uh, worst case, learn something, you know, um, that's something I'm considering, uh, and, you know, other possibilities, of course, would be other master's programs that exist out there that other uh, institutions offer, and I'm sure that 
might, there might be some better ones out there um, if I were to look into it. But I'm not against the idea of this one. But I'd really rather complete my first master's degree first uh, and then begin work on something else if, if I want to do that. My first, uh, my master's is a, is a uh, uh, master of music uh, in opera performance. Uh, and I, and everything's completed from all of the coursework uh, to the recital. The only thing that never got completed was my uh, thesis. And it's really just a half thesis because half of the thesis uh, is considered to be your recital and then the other half uh, is the paper and so it's really just a 40 page uh, kind of a half thesis um, and I have some I think I have some good ideas on how to stick with part of the same the same theme that I originally uh, looked into but uh, perhaps um, add another layer uh, of what I'm now interested in and uh, just see how it uh, how it pans out. And if I don't hear back from the college, which I sent uh, the dean of the uh, um, uh, college of music, I sent him an email. He was there when I was there as well. Uh, if I don't hear back from him, maybe I'll just go ahead and start on the paper, finish it, uh, do the best I can, submit it, and just see what they do. Um, so yeah. Something that I'm looking into. Um, don't know how that's gonna work out, but we'll see. We'll see. Um,
especially when it's something as important as theology. But I don't know. Like I said, I'm not quite to the point where I'm ready to uh, make that decision yet. So I don't know how that's going to go. No idea. Uh, so, yeah. So, death and uh, trying to resurrect a master's degree and possibly new life and a new master's degree. That's kind of been how my morning's been going. Planning, planning on going to this funeral and things like that. And yeah, I don't know. Don't know. If I did want to write a book at some point, I suppose uh, the degrees would, uh, would again help in the credibility of, of uh, the books. Um, but here again, uh, I think that's a, you know, that gives you a false sense of security or uh, entitlement just because you have a, a degree or a title that comes from your degree. Uh, that that means anything specifically, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean much. Let me get my white noise level down here. <clears throat> uh, so yeah, but theologically, what's been going on this week is uh, not a lot of theology. It's actually probably a lot more uh, politics um, with. Uh, I suppose what's going to be called Helsinki Gate at some point, uh, and what went on with Trump and, and uh, Putin uh, in Helsinki during the so-called summit or meeting or whatever you want to call it. Um, and I think this uh, the wishy-washiness uh, of Trump finally has gotten the better of him, where you know he's 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 quick to correct himself when the pressure is on but he also always keeps a back door open in other words he'll say yes that was probably not a good idea to do that but everybody does it or something like that or uh, you know yes those people uh, were bad but there were probably some good people there too uh, you know things like things that of course that he's, he's always saying you, you think he's He's actually uh, finally grown a conscience, and then uh, he shows you that indeed, no, he's he's just uh, gone out the back door. So uh, there's been a lot of discussion online about him and his uh, policies with uh, some of, some of my Facebook friends, um, and somehow good theology and theological discussions are always connected uh, with what's going on with Trump too. Uh, in relation to in, in relationship to what some of my friends say on, online um, uh, but you know theologically speaking right now maybe because of everything that's been going on my mind is kind of blank uh, as far as <clears throat> what's been going on today with that I can't really think of uh, much that I've seen or read not since uh, last week. Uh, remember what I posted last week? That would be nice. Um, I don't think I can get to it without turning
turning off this recording. And I don't want to do that. Uh, so, yeah. Um, let me think a minute. What I talked about last week was the, um, the possibility that all Scripture, not just uh, the Torah or the Prophets, Psalms or Proverbs or you know the wisdom uh, of the Old Testament, but what about other you know other places? Are there other places uh, where you can see evidence that Jesus has been inspiring people of other religions, not just Judaism, uh, but other religions to uh, perhaps write truths about Him uh, or to even prophesy about His coming? Uh, and indeed, I. After having that thought, I went out and found uh, what I think is a very compelling quote, which is attributed to Buddha some 300 years before Jesus. Uh, and I think it's a very solid uh, prophecy of the coming of Christ, um, where Buddha says, I'm going to have to paraphrase this. I don't have it in front of me, but he, he's quoted as having said, uh, there have been Buddhas who have come before me, and Buddha means enlightened ones. Uh, people who, I guess, have uh, a special understanding. Uh, there have been Buddhas before me, and there will be a great Buddha who comes after me. Uh, a Buddha who will be a leader of of gods and mortals uh, who he goes on and on and in, in, in the way he talks about this Buddha the coming of this Buddha that he's prophesying it sounds a lot like Jesus and uh, we know that this Buddha there isn't anything that's been found of this Buddha that's actually uh, that he's actually come yet so not even uh, Buddhists believe that there's anybody that matches this description who has come on the earth yet. And yet, when I read it, I thought it matched the description of Jesus uh, very well. And interestingly enough, Buddha kind of echoes uh, a uh, passage in the Old Testament where uh, David and Saul are coming back from war and they've been victorious and the people are enamored uh, with David and they say Saul has killed his thousands but David has killed his ten thousands and so this was the chant and, and this made Saul quite jealous well Buddha says that the Buddha the great Buddha that will come after him who will uh, be a leader of both gods and mortals uh, will uh, where, where Buddha thinks he has hundreds of followers, this Buddha will have thousands. In other words, he's saying that this this Buddha is exponentially greater than he is. Uh, and to me, it really sounded like that passage in the Old Testament uh, about Saul's thousands and David's ten thousands. Um, and so it's a it's a very unique moment, I think, where where Buddha is talking about uh, the future and a coming. Uh, messianic figure. Um, you know, he calls him a Buddha, which is just his language of enlightenment. It doesn't mean that 
he would be a Buddhist necessarily, not by this quote that I read anyway. Um, but it was interesting. So I, I think uh, you can you can find at least references that work that might be pertaining to Jesus, definitely in other uh, texts. But actually, the Quran has very specific references to Jesus because it came after Jesus, and the Quran reveres Jesus as one of the uh, leading prophets of. Uh, of uh, Islam and, and so there's a lot said about Jesus that's that's very positive um, now now of course they do refute some things that Christians believe about Jesus in the Quran excuse me uh, they refute some things that Christians believe about Jesus in the Quran which is to be expected um, uh, because People who who follow Islam uh, are very they, they are very strict uh, monotheists. Uh, they don't believe in the Trinity, for example. Um, they think that the idea of the Trinity, where there's a Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, three equal, uh, separate parts, uh, but one. In another way, they, they don't they they don't take their monotheism as, as some kind of uh, um, you know figure of speech. They're they're very uh, generally. I think they're very specific about the fact that God is one and only one. So that God could have a son uh, is just not not a possibility uh, in their theology. Nonetheless, they revere Jesus to such a high extent that there's more written about Jesus in the Quran than there is about uh, Muhammad, um, which is which is quite interesting. Other religions that I haven't had a chance to really look into yet that I want to um, are the Baha'i religion, which is also a an Abrahamic, uh, Judeo-Christian, Islamic derived religion that came about in the, the late 1800s. <clears throat> um, they also talk a lot about a messianic figure. And so my question is, how much of what's written, even though on the surface we could say it's false and it goes against Jesus, but still yet is there a divine aspect of these texts where we can find evidence that Jesus was was doing what he could to uh, influence these people, at least a bit toward uh, knowing him better. Uh, and is it possible that that amount could be as much as is as is found in the Old Testament or, or other books? Because um, you know, and I know, that the Old Testament uh, is rife with conflicting ideas of who God is. Uh, he's loving, uh, right? His love endures forever, or, or he's wrathful, or he's uh, um, a jealous God, <clears throat> for example. These are all things that are said about God in the Old Testament. Uh, and so you still have to read the Old Testament uh, in a way that brings about the truth uh, of who Jesus is, 
while realizing that sometimes certain scriptures miss the mark. They don't quite get who Jesus is. Totally off the subject, you may be hearing uh, sounds of uh, loudspeakers as I'm passing by different cars. This is election week here in this town at least. A lot of people are out driving, blaring loudspeakers, trying to get us to vote for them. Uh, it's like the second one that I've passed since I left the house. They're very annoying. So, um, yeah, that's that's what I went into last week, and I'll continue to look into those things. Uh, but back to the idea of the thesis for my master's degree, I was thinking maybe um, trying to discover, while studying the opera uh, Don Giovanni by Mozart, uh, ideas of uh, the, the theology that exists in there, uh, the theology of perhaps the characters, or the librettist, or even Mozart, right? What what did he feel? Uh, what was his eschatology, for example? What was his soteriology? In other words, how did he think he could be saved? Uh, and, and what did he think would happen to him at the end of times? And how, are, how is that revealed uh, in the um, play? of Don Giovanni, and maybe even compare it to other uh, other Don Giovannis, or Don, Don Juans as they're called, uh, that have uh, been written about in other, uh, other genres, for example, where we have poetry by, uh, oh, who is it, who wrote Don Juan? Ah, have it, Sir, Sir somebody. entire uh, huge epic poem about Don Juan. Uh, there are other operas, there are movies, uh, there are the original books, for example. I have the original play, or at least the earliest written play by Tirso de Molina, um, a Spanish playwright from, I want to say, uh, the Renaissance, or maybe the early Baroque period. Uh, <clears throat> but but search, search the, the opera, the libretto, both, both the words and the music for uh, hints as to the theology um, that the uh, creators believed. And maybe sometimes it, it might even kind of uh, conflict. You know, maybe Mozart thought this, uh, but uh, the librettist thought something else. Brettus is, is the person who, who uh, adapted the story for opera, right? Who, who wrote the verse, in other words, uh, who wrote the words. Uh, we might today call him a lyricist. Um, it was probably a bit different of a, uh, a bit different of a, uh, what do you call it? Uh, process back then um, and you know writing an entire opera is uh, is a lot it's not just the lyrics to one song it's not even the lyrics to one song at a time but it's taking an entire narrative 
uh, and in that time you had uh, many many types of genres inside the opera so you had uh, for example um, dances or waltzes or operas or ensembles uh, you even had uh, uh, interludes uh, and um, uh, overtures right um, and you had recitative, uh, which was a, an, another um, way that the text was set to music, uh, which is uh, different from, from other uh, ballads or songs or arias or uh, ensembles. Uh, and so taking, taking the text and then how the music conveys the truth of the text, right? So, for example, if, uh, if the librettist wrote such and such, uh, did the music bear that out, or do you see some conflict uh, in whether the uh, the composer uh, the composer might be disagreeing with the librettist in a certain conclusion or, a, or, or an opinion uh, on a, on an event that happens? And so, how much you know? How how can we detect uh, through the study of a single opera, or maybe many operas? Uh, just what the theology of the creators was. Uh, and if you know the story of Don Juan, you know that it's a story of a, a man who basically abuses women, and that's his, that's his uh, goal in life, is to, to have as many women as he can uh, in as short a time as he can, right? And when I say have, uh, I mean sexually. A, he's a seducer uh, on, at the highest level. And yeah, so I think it might be interesting to, uh, to look at that and uh, to see what, what was Mozart telling us or Da, da Ponte, uh, who was a librettist, what was he telling us? And how did that differ from the, the play that they apparently took? The libretto from right there are the other sources of that play that were existent for example in uh, Vienna uh, in the late uh, mid late 1700s 1780s I believe uh, anyway that's one idea of the thesis uh, is to discover um, Mozart's theology and Ponte's.
sacrilegious. It's um, superstitious. Yeah, it may have been at least, at the very least, superstitious. In other words, uh, he, he may have worried a lot that his his actions and perhaps even his thoughts uh, played into how his life was going. Right, whether he had the favor of God or not. <clears throat> so, anyway, <coughs> uh, excuse me. So, yeah, I will be uh, looking into that in the coming days as well as going to the funeral. concert this weekend, needing to uh, smoke some meat for the cafe, <clears throat> maybe roast some more coffee, I did a lot of that yesterday, it's going to be a busy weekend, maybe a busy fall, so anyway, yeah, I'm going to have to wrap it up here pretty quick. this has not been very enlightening today. <clears throat> I would like to uh, do a better job next week. I'm not sure if I'll post this or not. Just kind of brainstorming through things.